Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. How y'all doing, Avenue? How you feeling today? Y'all good? Who loves Pastor Stephen and Jennifer? Come on, who loves them? Come on, you can do better than that. Man, Pastor Stephen, like he says, my brother from another mother. We served at a church together, and he was not just someone I served with, but someone I did life with. He was an encourager. Um, he was a helper. He was someone that guided me in my youthful years. Uh, actually, I started in ministry full-time at Love and Truth Church in Jackson, Tennessee, and Pastor Stephen made sure to wipe my nose and treat my boo-boos and make sure that I was continuing to grow in the Lord. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be here with you. If you don't know me, my name is Jason Price. Hopefully I met some people here. Y'all have an incredible church. Do you know that? Avenue Church is what's up. I love it. I love every person I met from loading in this morning, your spirit, your hearts, worship. Can we give it up for the worship team? Took me back. Elevation Church, we on clocks, man. He was going with it. I like that, flowing with the spirit. But I'm so thankful to be here, and I hope that our time together, the Lord can speak to you, and that um, his presence could be made known. And I'm, I know he is, and this is why. It's because your pastors walk in the spirit of honor. And I'm not just a uh, guest speaker that's just going to fly in and fly right back out. Number one, I'm, I'm originally from Tennessee. I'm a Tennessee boy. Come on, holla at me. I'm hometown, baby. I'm here. My mama stay down the street. Holla at me. <laughs> we was actually at my mom's house for real. But, uh, <laughs> but also, I, I have the honor and privilege to be one of your three overseers. I don't know if you know that. But I have been praying from the beginning when this was just a seed in the hearts of your pastors and um, to see what the seed has matured into, to see the, the, the tears and the fear that I had to just walk through with Pastor Stephen and just see how he really wanted and had a burden to see God move in this city. And now, look at you. And as an overseer, I don't want to just come in and just preach a word, but I want to come in and implant a spirit. And, and the spirit God gave me as I was standing there, this is not scripted, but this is this is a house of honor, and I, I am going to take my time as an overseer. Yes, I am, because this is not just important for church. It's important for your marriage, your job, uh, access. Some of you want access in the world and in the kingdom. God says honor gives you access, and the way that we learn honor is through dishonor. All right, I don't know much, much Greek and Hebrew, but one word I did look up was, was dishonor which comes from the word atima. Everybody say atima. Look at you. You're so smart. I'm proud of you. Look at you. What it means is, it means to treat common. It's different from disrespect. To treat common is to make sure that it just is ordinary. You know, after you've been married for some years, you treat your wife 
ordinary. After you had your third kid, you treat that third one ordinary. <laughs> you go to your job and your boss, and you treat them just like any other employee. You treat your boss ordinary. As long as you treat people ordinary, you will not have access. As long as we treat God ordinary, we will not have access. That's okay. You ain't got to, I'm, I'm an overseer. I'm going to be here. Don't worry. I'm going to just take my little time. This is why I want you to be successful. Who wants everything God promised them? Come on, where my church at? God, I don't want half of the blessing. I want it all. Well, this is how you get it all. This is how you get every single thing God called you to have. And when me and my wife got to the hotel, you honored us, Avenue. We had a basket full of all kind of snacks that are not on my keto diet. And you had, you had bubbles in the basket for my two children. I do have two kids, Lavender and Grayson, three and six and seven. He turned, had a birthday this month. I got to keep up with that. You had my wife a journal, a prayer journal. You, you, you honored me. And you made me even more excited to give you what God has for me. Now, I would have done it anyway. I would have gave you all I had. I would have sweated through this shirt. I would have done everything God told me to do because I'm going to be obedient to God today. But when you honor, you give access. And what I would want for your house, especially in the, the foundations, especially in the building blocks of anything, I met a couple. Where are you at? I can, wish I could find you. They've been married for eight months, y'all. Oh, my goodness. Where are they at? There you are. Eight months of marriage. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, eight years and all the people that's been married longer, like, yeah, boy, keep living, okay? But me and my wife been married eight years. But eight months, make sure you try to establish honor. How you speak to one another. How you honor one another. And this is the house. And I felt honored even coming in. I felt honored by the, the team right here. Y'all know this, this one is awesome. Y'all know her right here? She just greeted it every, I mean... We had church in the nursery. I love it. Just honor. Somebody say honor. Honor gives you access. Just a short principle. As an overseer, I pray that you would always have that in your heart. You would always show that in your hands. Jen and Stephen cooked us dinner at the house. We had a good time. Honored us. You fed me nothing but cakes, and I'm just fat today. One guy came in with muscles, made me insecure. You, sir, with the tattoos. <laughs> Jesus. I told him I would, I would be saved this week and do silence only. God, forgive me. I was in there repenting, y'all. Y'all was worshiping. <laughs> Listen, I won't be before you long, but I do believe God has a word for you. Are you ready to receive the word? Are you ready to receive it? Open those hands out because it does no good if I speak eloquently or wise or tell you all the Bible verses I know. That doesn't matter. You need God. You need a word from him today. So put your hands out in front. And say, God, I got up this morning, and I came to hear from you. Let it sit right there. I came to hear from you, God. You heard your people. These are your sheep of your pasture. Now, God, speak to them. Let me decrease in this very moment, and you increase. And let your word be accurate and sharp as a two-edged sword. Father, from the inside out, I pray for transformation. I speak breakthrough. I speak a renewed heart and spirit for their destiny. Devil, you messed up. You let them get to church. The joke's on you. You tried to stop them, but a pandemic couldn't do it. 
Their comfy slippers couldn't do it. God, thank you, Father, for what you are doing in this moment. We embrace it. And if you believe it, come on, put a praise on it in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on, not me. Come on, let's worship God together. Come on. Thank you, Lord. All right, y'all. Y'all ready for this word? If y'all ready, as much as my cat Mimi, my cat Mimi heard me preach this. We took up an offering. She is saved and delivered, y'all. Pray for my cat. Man, my coworkers, everybody got this word. I was so excited. I'm one of them preachers that just go, go around preaching. Let me tell you what God said. Don't, don't mind me. But we are going to the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to the book of 1 Samuel. And I, I do. I, I do believe God has me here on assignment that someone in this room today, you will not walk out of here the same way. Your mind is going to be renewed. You are going to experience a breakthrough. But it's up to you what you do with it. I'll give it to you like God said it. I won't hold back. But it's up to you to do something with this word. You have to work the word. Okay, do I have any word workers in the building? You work that word. Uh, on Monday, work it, all right? Where my note takers at, too? I like y'all, too. Y'all my kind of people. Note takers are world changers. Oh, also, can I shout out my boy, Stephen, Stevin? I got your name wrong. We've been together for years. Y'all give it up for Stevin over here in the corner. Stevin was at the church in my youth group when he was just a little teen, and I was wiping his nose and cleaning his boo-boos up, and now he a fully grown college. Where were you at? Highlands College. You in your fourth semester, crushing it up there, serving God, still going strong. And he drove from Birmingham just to come hang with your boy, man. Thank you, Stevin. I love you, my, my boy. I love him. I love him. All right, 1 Samuel 18. One through eight. One through eight. Let's do this. I'm so excited. Man, been waiting to preach this one. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Say yeah. yeah. If you're really ready, say oh yeah. oh yeah. Ooh, I got some people with me. After David, y'all know David. David killed Goliath. David, the man after God's own heart. We talking about David. Who knows David in the building? He's a familiar. If not, don't worry. We're going to spend some time with him. And his man Saul, after David had finished talking to Saul, Saul was the king of Israel in this season. Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him. Him as himself. I need friends like that. I mean, you love me just to give me a pair of shoes when you go to Target and you know you're going to bring me. I love them kind of friends. Y'all love them kind of friends. Well, David had one named Jonathan. From that day, Saul kept with him. And did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the kind of friend I need right there. That's the kind of friend I need. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was successful. So we see early that the hand of God was on David, no matter where he went. He was successful, that he gave him a high rank in the army. So Saul's promoting David. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel 
to meet King Saul with singing and with dancing. So David is on a mission. He's coming back. He's the man with the master plan. He's killed yet another Philistine. I mean, David's on a roll. The kingdom is rocking. Can you see it? I like my imagination. I'm, all, I'm one of them kids that were ADHD, so I can see it. I mean, they playing all kind of music. Taylor Swift. I mean, shout out. Come on, Hendersonville. I mean, they playing. They just partying. This is a celebration. And the women come out singing. And I love this song. They sing, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands, you know? Saul has slain his thousands, David tens of thousands. Can y'all hear it? Uh, uh. Saul, they doing, they got choreography, robot, uh. Pop locking out. <laughs> but this confuses me. David has killed the enemies of Saul. There is a celebration, rightfully so. In this next verse, Charmaine, as I was reading it, shout out to wifey. Don't worry, I'm going to give you some more love later on in my sermon, girl. But you fine. <laughs> Saul was very angry. When you read the Bible, slow down. <laughs> it's a celebration. David is slaying the enemy for the king. And Saul is angry? You angry? You mad? I don't. <laughs> okay, let's keep reading. This refrain displeased him greatly. He's mad because they're singing about the victory of his enemy being slain. Okay, Saul, you need, you need Jesus. Okay. They have credited David. This is what Saul says to himself. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. Somebody say he thought. Ooh, that's good. But only, but me, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time, Saul kept a close eye on David. Saul kept a close eye on David. And it's funny how God is blessing in this season. He's moving. Saul sees victory, but he can only focus on himself. And as he focuses on himself, he hears the song. Song is like thousands, David tens of thousands. And all he can think about is David's tens of thousands, but not his own. And one word stuck out in the text that's going to help me lay the foundation. In verse number eight, it says, Saul was very angry. I don't understand. This refrain, displeased. Saul was not happy. You could even say Saul was disappointed. And so for my title, Help Me Out, Pastor Stephen warned y'all last week, I'm a hollerback preacher, so don't be afraid to shout down your boy today. But look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's danger in disappointment. Look at the other neighbor. That neighbor was too bougie. Okay, look at the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Be careful. Because there's danger and disappointment. If you're ready to receive the word, come on, give God one more shot in this place. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay. So I've set the foundation for you. Saul is displeased with David. And I can relate to Saul when things don't go the way you expect it to. I.E. 2020. Can you holler at me if 2020 did not go the way? <laughs> Y'all, come on now. Listen, 
I got kids. Anybody got kids with my parents had? So we did this thing called hybrid learning. Anybody experience that? And okay, so it was good. We was out of the classroom. Then we was in the classroom. Then we wasn't in the classroom. Then the classroom came to us, and I don't know what was going on. But we finally, wife, we got on the schedule. We finally found one. I mean, it was hiding, too. That schedule just was hiding. We found one. We found a rhythm. And I'm like, cool. We got a rhythm. And Memorial Day is coming up. Shout out to all those that served in the Army. I love it. We're ready. Going to barbecue. Going to celebrate. But school is out, right? And in my day, you normally get one day off for Memorial Day. Right? Anybody? Yes? Okay. The church says Amen. So, me and wife, okay, cool. We're going to take Grayson to school on Friday. He's got a three-day weekend. So, we get up. And that morning, actually, I was like, Charmaine, don't, don't be late. She's like, leave me alone. I said, Jim, you got to get him on time. I was actually really, like, pushing her to go be on time, okay? And so, we get there, or she gets there, not me, drives him there. And, y'all, school canceled. There is no cars in the parking lot. Needless to say, they just decided because of coronavirus, they could just add an extra day in the Memorial Day weekend because they wanted to. Oh, my goodness. So we are there, and no one is there, and we are, somebody say, disappointed. Woo, that's so annoying. I mean, so annoying. And, you know, not to mention all the drivers that came. Are y'all drivers? Did they forget how to drive since the pandemic? Anybody? You you facing some it's so It's so disappointing. And, and again and again in this season, you know, stay-at-home order. Who enjoyed quarantine? What are my quarantine soldiers out here? <laughs> Woo! But after day five, it just got annoying. Did it not? <laughs> Jesus. Me and Charmaine was like, we was there. We was good. The kids, it was like, Jesus, what is going on? As you know, she started a digital workspace. That kind of delivered the, the tension in the room. But I'm telling you, it was so annoying. And if we're not careful what I've observed and been praying for us, not just Avenue Church, not just myself, but even our nation, we have to be very careful. Why? Because things that are annoying, that continue to frustrate us, can breed bitterness. Oh, yeah. It's a subtle thing, and it's a subtle killer. And I just want to be careful that, that we don't forget that even in our frustration, God is there. That even when things don't go our way, we still serve a God that has a plan. And I want to tell you just for a moment about God's plan. Before Drake had a song, I was already on God's plan. And God's plan will never fail you. God's plan, even though it may be unclear, it will direct your path. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I'm telling you, when you don't know where you're going, God's plan will get you there even when you don't have GPS. Holler at your boy if you're thankful for God's plan. God's plan... Woo! It's nothing like the plan of God. God's plan found me when I was trying to go my own way. I wanted to be a businessman, go to college for four years, worked at a bank. But God's plan said, no, you're bound to the gates of ministry. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) When you wanted to marry that good-looking one that had the long hair that was real cool, but God said, nope, the nerd. Ha! God's plan. But I'm thankful for God's plan. Because God's plan, his ways are not like my ways. And his thoughts are not like my thoughts. And so when I think I know what is right, 
I am thankful for the plan of God because it orders my steps. But the problem is when his plan doesn't match my plan. Oh, come on, talk to me if you know what I mean. But God, <laughs> I didn't want the coronavirus to ruin my whole year. But God, I, I wanted that promotion. But God, I wanted this marriage to go my way. Be careful. Write this down if you're a note taker in the room. When our experience, what we're going through, what we experience, doesn't match our expectation, what we wanted, what I thought would happen. Be careful because that leaves room for frustration. When our experience doesn't match our expectation, and the gap of that is frustration. Why is frustration? Well, I said it wrong because I need some water. Why is frustration dangerous? Because frustration breeds disappointment. Thank you for my 24-ounce Fiji. <laughs> Pastor Stephen know I love Fiji water, so he got me a gallon. Like, <laughs> that's my boy. I love him. <laughs> I'm going to put that down. That's distracting. It's so huge. <laughs> Can't even see me no more. I put the bottle up. In the gap of my experience, my expectation, frustration. I expect to be married by now, but I'm not. F say Frustration. I expected to be making this much money by now, but I'm not. I expected to be, you know, um, on Oprah. I don't know. Maybe that's an expectation of yours. Maybe. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm on YouTube with three followers. <laughs> be careful. The danger in this is that frustration left unchecked leads to disappointment. And this is my cycle. Write this down. Disappointment breeds resentment. Resentment. It should have gone the way I thought it should. They should have loved me the way I thought they should. We draw a conclusion that never really existed. Well, if they had not a fired me, I'd still be. And y'all, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at myself. Man, if they had a done... I would be, uh, and so we resent, and we resent because of the disappointment. And then the enemy is slick because it never starts as this, but then comes bitterness. You already see it on the screen. Disappointment, resentment, bitterness. Somebody say bitterness. This is the danger. The danger, I'm already giving you my punchline in a sense. It's danger of disappointment is that it can lead to bitterness. And bitterness is no one's friend. Bitterness makes you assign disappointment to everything around you. Bitterness gets so deep in your soul that you expect everyone to let you down. You expect everything to go wrong. You call yourself a cynical person, but no, you're not. You're just cynical because something hurt you in your past. I don't know if I'm supposed to go that fast, that soon. Oh, that cut too deep. Let me back up. Hold up. I'm just letting you know, disappointment is normal. Disappointment comes to us all, especially in 2020. Disappointed. Disappointed in my church, so I'm never going back. Disappointed in that, so I'm never going back. But what you really have allowed 
is a root. Somebody say bitterness. Where does this add in the word? Can I go deeper? Is this okay, y'all? Can I, can I show you a little bit of how this, this works in the Bible? How this works is we go to Saul, back to my, my home skillet, Saul, man. He the king of kings doing his thing. But he looking back at David, mad, Jen. Why is Saul mad? I had a problem with this, okay? David only killed his enemies. Listen, guys, I got things called student loans. If any of y'all want to pay my student loans, me and wifey, my address is 144 Swing Bridge Lane, South Carolina. This is like somebody doing you a favor, and you mad? I'm confused. Please pay my student loan. <laughs> Please help. But, but Saul is getting something done for him that he did not do for himself and is mad. And the first danger, the first layer, you can write this down, is the danger of assumption. The danger, because he's angry, he's disappointed, he's displeased, that's the first one. But then he dwells on the disappointment. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 18, chapter 18, verse 8 and 9. Let's look at it. So he's mad. Let's jump to verse 8. It says this. Saul was very angry. This refrain, displeased, disappointed. He was let down. Him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands. He thought. Somebody say, he thought. The first thing I want to help you understand is an assumption. It's just a thought. It is not real. It never happened. You are assuming. Let me keep going. Let me show you where they said in the text. He thought but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Saw you tripping. Did David ever say he wanted the kingdom? Did, De did David try to kill Saul to get the throne? Game of Thrones? Come on, somebody. I don't watch it. I'm just saying. Don't judge me. What did all David did is try to help him. All David did is try to defend the kingdom, defend the territory. But when you've been let down before, when you are displeased for no reason and you assume, uh, where am I married for one more time? Where you at? Make some noise if you're married in a place. All right. Marriage will teach you about letting go of your assumptions. <laughs> Can I be? <laughs> so, you know, as an honest man, I'm not going to sit up here like I'm perfect. You know, wifey expected me one day I was off work to clean the house. You know, but I'm tired, y'all. I'm working hard as a campus pastor. And you know what happened. Look, all the women looking at me like, you didn't clean the house. No, I did not. I'm sorry. I was watching my Netflix, okay? And chilling. <laughs> she comes home, and she is, somebody say, disappointed. But this is the thing about my wife. She's an angel sent from above, and I love her. She is awesome in every single way. She is my rib, people. She is the one, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. But she has this thing where she don't like to talk about her disappointment. She don't like to talk about her assumption. So I don't hear about this for three months. What you want me to do with that? I would have apologized. I would have cleaned. I would have did anything. And then I'm chilling one day. I'm, I'm helping you out. I told you I'll help you. I look her in the eyes because, you know, she ain't vibing with me like we usually vibe. I'm like, baby, what's wrong? You know, trying to throw on my Mac. You feel me? Wait, what's wrong, babe? What's going on? I got your favorite coffee. What's going on? I could tell she's in the mood three months. It took me that long. 
Out here saving souls, you know, my pastor. What's wrong? She's like, but you know, you know, when the house wasn't clean and she said it real nice. I'm like, babe, what's wrong? I don't understand. Well, I just expected you. I just expected you. When your expectation, oh, come on, somebody, doesn't match your what? Experience. All the frustration. And here we go. By this time, she is livid. Now, I said that real soft, but it was a couple of inches higher. Rightfully so. Maybe she had a point. Maybe I was supposed to cling. But when we don't deal with the disappointment, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And God sent me here to help you out a little bit. Because sometimes in this life, we will be disappointed. But the key to this is to not allow it to keep going. If you're taking notes, write this down. Because sometimes I feel like I'm always in church, but people are disappointed by God. And they assign that to me. Uh, they say, oh, Pastor, Pastor Jason's not going to do this. We may do this to our pastor, you know. One, well, he didn't text me back exactly when, and the last pastor didn't text me back, and so God must not love me. Excuse me? We going that far with it? This is what you have to do. Write this down. Because I'm sure you had some sick people in your life, and you felt like God should have healed them. I'm sure you've been broke before. And you didn't get the money you expected God to give you. I'm, I'm sure you've been in a place in your life that you said, God, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and nothing. Who's going to be honest with me right now? I know y'all like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't talk about God like that. But that's what we say in our heart. That's what is in there right there. But we have to be careful not to assume that just because God can, do I have some people that know that God can? Can I take a commercial break? God can do anything now. Hold up now. Let me preach it. He can heal your body. He can restore your soul. He can come in the midnight hour. And in my past, my God has been faithful. Do I serve anybody in the room that knows they have a faithful God in this place? God is faithful. But Jen... Just because he can. Oh, you know my sermon. <laughs> or you must know my God. We assign our assumption to God's character. Danger. Somebody say danger. Oh, come on now, y'all. Come on, wake on up. Come on, we here. Say it like you mean it. Say danger. danger. Say it like your kid is in the street and you about to go get them. What you going to yell? Thank you. Mama's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Danger. When we assume that God, you let me down. God, I don't have the relationships that I expected to have. I'm lonely. Where are you? Just because he can doesn't mean that he will. But what we have to understand is God is maturing us. And God is moving us forward in places of disappointment because unmet, unmet expectations can block the view of God's revelation. Oh, you should write that down because you didn't hear it all the way. But you need that for later. 
When things are not met at the level that you expected, God says, I'm trying to reveal something to you. I did not shut down the world in Corona just so you could get some exercise and good health and not have to go to work, but I maybe shut it down so you could get in my presence. Maybe I didn't give you the job because I wanted you to learn how to wait. Maybe I didn't give you that relationship this time because there's something better for you, but you have to be ready for the revelation. What is God trying to reveal? When it's not met, we look at it, man. You just didn't. Yeah. God, you should have. God, you could have. Why, why didn't you? God says, open your eyes and see what I'm really doing. For my ways are not your. That's hard, though. Now, I'm not going to just run over that and just yell at you real like a black preacher. No, I'm not going to do it. That's hard. That's hard. Come on, wait at me if it's hard. If it's hard. You get the doctor's report. You won't, it's hard. Come on, let's not, let's not minimize the pain you feel. Not trying to do that. Trying to give you the understanding of the God you serve. That even in that place, he's present. Because this is what James 1.19 says about bitterness. Because if you don't deal with this, if you don't confront this, James chapter 1, verse 19 it's right behind me. Let's read it together. Not at the same time, because that never works. <laughs> My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Keep going. Is this the whole thing? Let me get my Bible. Because... One verse, it says, it's because anger produces a root of bitterness. I wanted to get to that verse because this is important. If you don't understand that, you won't be able to attack it properly. You will think that, oh, I'm just angry. Where are my angry people? Where are my incredible hulks at? I know. Okay, I'll raise my hand. <laughs> I'm that. Because there's two kind of people. Two kind of people is how could you when you're disappointed? How could you? You assign blame. I fall in that category. How could you not have my Pop-Tart ready, woman? I've never said that, actually, but you, you know what I mean. How could you? How could they not pick me? I'm the best singer in this church. How could they not? How? Assigning blame. Second type of person that allows it to produce something in their heart is, I can't believe. Oh, I saw somebody smile at me. I ain't going to call them out. I love it. I can't believe. I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe this would happen. But you know what I like about my I can't believe people? You at least want to investigate. <laughs> you at least want to investigate, but I'm not letting you off the hook. I can't believe people. I'm coming for you. But the assumption, the thought that Saul had in the text, he thought David. David has shown no signs that he was taking the kingdom. I want to get to a place in you that God can put something in the soil of your heart and it's ready to receive. Because I believe some people in this room may be waiting on God, but God says, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on your heart to get to the good ground so I can put the seed of my promise in it. Who wants to see God put something in their heart that they didn't anticipate that God can move in? I know I do. Because the second one, the second one, we have the danger of assumption. And these are my I can't believe people. It's the danger of thinking I'm in control. 
Oh, that hit. I like them noises. Oh, yeah. I'm in control of my fight. Let me, let me go in the, let me go in the text. Because watch this. He's assuming that David's going to take the kingdom. And y'all, in the very next verse, I mean, he didn't even wait. This got so deep in Saul's heart. Look at this. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in the house while David was playing the lyre. The lyre's like a Fender Strat, okay? As, you, as he usually did. So he was used to David being in the house. Saul had a spear in his hand. Somebody say, danger. And he hurled it, saying to himself, he didn't even speak. <laughs> Can you imagine a man hurling a spear with no words at your face? Like, this is crazy. I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So he tried two times. Throws a spear. David shakes him out. Throws a spear again. David like, oh, my God. Oh, you just, you just, it slipped. It slipped. <laughs> you see Saul taking control of what he thought? I wonder to myself as I'm reading this text, what if Saul, instead of taking control with a spear, would have took control in the spirit? He would have said, this is not the right spirit. We should say that to ourselves. When we get disappointed, frustrated, bitter, <laughs> this is not the right. Somebody say spirit. Because there's danger in thinking I'm in control. I'm in control of my finances. We're going to get the budget and the spreadsheet, and we're going to make sure we're paid every bill on time. And if it doesn't get paid on time, I'm going to blow it Control. I'm going to work out. I'm going to make sure my diet is just right. I'm counting my carbs, my calories, and the air that I consume every day. <laughs> Drink my water. Control. But what if you get sick and you lose all your progress? And what if a pandemic happens and you lose your job? I, I'm, I'm not getting on you. I'm, I'm just preparing you. Because we don't know who's lived a little bit of life. I ain't that old, but you lived a little bit. It ain't always going to work out the way you plan. This is the last one, Gene. I say this one. Your kids. <laughs> I got a savage in my house. Talk to me, people. She is bougie and <laughs> she is that song. Y'all know that song? Savage, boom, classy, bougie. That's my that's my daughter. Okay. But watch this. The Bible says it like this: Train up a child. Y'all know this verse in the way that they what should go, and when they are older, they will what not depart far from it. What the Bible did not say, control freaks, is that, I'm sorry, I'm not saying y'all are a freak, I'm sorry, that's just a terminology that we use sometimes to describe people that are in control all the time. But it does not say control a child in every detail of their life. Cut their food for them when they are 16 and choose their <laughs> and arrange their marriage. <laughs> because if you do, you will suffer from a lot of anxiety. We have to learn that it's danger in thinking that we're in control. We have to understand this, write this down, to separate my responsibility and God's sovereignty. Sovereignty is a big word. 
I'm going to give you the Hebrew Greek definition, also the JPV, Jason Price version. It means he's in control. God is sovereign. God is over all, above all, works through all. He is present in our pain and our affliction. And when we understand this, your view of God is so important, guys. Protect that. Do you believe that he's sovereign? Because when I do believe that God is sovereign, I allow peace to flood my heart. Separate my responsibility and God's sovereignty. Knowing where my responsibility ends, I tried all I could, I did all I could, that's all I have, and God's begins. I'm not saying be lazy. I'm not saying not try to do a budget, be, train your children up right, choose the right friends. I'm saying you can't control it. Somebody say danger. There's danger in this. There's danger because disobedience is a result of when we choose not to trust God. Disobedience is a result of when we choose not to trust God. Where is that found? That's in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Because I was looking at Saul's life, I was like, Saul, where did you get this from? Why were you so angry? And the title of 1 Samuel 15, 22 is that God rejects Saul. You want to know, God, why God rejected Saul? Because Saul disobeyed God's word. God told Saul to go to the Amalekites and kill everything. And guess what he didn't do? Kill everything. He let little things live. Woo! You don't miss that. He let the king live and sheep live. What little thing are you letting live in your heart? That you still say, oh, but it happened 10 years ago. I'm over it, but you really haven't confronted it. Well, they did it, and I, but you really haven't forgiven them. Saul let the little thing live. God says, because you did not obey my word, I reject you. I reject you. Saul has to deal with this disappointment. Because one of my favorite verses 1 Samuel 15, 22, 23, you got it, Matt? I don't want to say that again, and it didn't pop up. But it says, but Samuel said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? He says, Saul, I know that you wanted to worship God by keeping the sheep and sacrificing them and worshiping God. He says, but no, it is better, somebody say, to obey it is better to obey than sacrifice, and heed is better than the fat of the rams. God is challenging us, Jen, in this place today that your disappointment must be dealt with. You cannot let it run ramsack. You cannot allow the little foxes, the Bible says, to destroy the vine of the fruit that he wants to produce in your life. Look at somebody say, deal with it. How do we deal with it? Hebrews 12, 15 says it like this. Because this is the danger of disappointment. When bitterness takes root, it destroys everything. You think you're just mad at one thing. Well, I'm just mad at my husband, or I'm just mad at my boss. No, 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 no. It gets to everything. This is what it says. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no one, that no root of, somebody shouted at me, no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. 
and by it many will become defiled. I need to tell somebody today, the bitterness is not contaminated. It's not contained, but it will contaminate. Where do I see this? For just the sake of time, because I'm almost done. I know y'all ready to get to Applebee's. Or <laughs> I get it, I get it. But if you keep reading a couple of chapters over, please research this. First Samuel 20, Saul is looking for David because he still wants to kill him. And he goes to his son. Y'all remember Jonathan? Y'all remember David, homie? I got your back. Give him his Gucci coat. Put him on his back. I got you, man. He's hiding David. He says, hey, I'm going to make sure I protect you. Let me go find out what he really wants to do. Well, guess what Saul wants to do? Kill David. And Jonathan is saying, why? Why do you want to kill him? Why do you want to kill him? And Saul is so, so messed up by bitterness. So, so blocked in his perception of what's real and what's not. So assuming all these things. The Bible says he begins to hurl insults at his son. Son of a whore. All these things. Son of a perverse one. Just going in. Then he takes a spear and throws it at his own son. I need that to hit different. I need you to understand the Bible different from modern day. A king's son was his legacy. A king's son was the future of the kingdom. A king's son was everything. And the bitterness had corrupted Saul's heart so much. Bitterness, this is what God told me to tell someone in this room. It will destroy your dreams and your destiny. When we allow disappointment to take root and become bitterness, it will destroy our dreams and our destiny. Dreams, what God has for you. Who wants all that God has for them? Who wants, come on, shout if you want everything God has for you. I, I can't want it for you. I hate when I want it better than you. I want it more than you. I would have been yelling. I want God to move in your life, to restore some things, to heal some broken places. I want him to bless your children and their children and their children. I want the favor of the Lord on your life. But if we allow bitterness to take root, because trying to control it, assuming what we it should be, it destroys dreams. His son was the legacy of the kingdom, and he's trying to kill the legacy. Please read that. We have to be careful because in comparison, in comparison, you don't have to let this happen. In comparison, things can go wrong in your life, and you can be disappointed again and again and again, and you can still have victory. And you can still be free. And you can still walk in authority. What am I talking about? Anybody know Joseph? Y'all know him? That's my boy. I love Jojo. Me and Jojo just spent some time together in the Word. Joseph inspires me. Why? Because Joseph is betrayed by his family. Somebody say disappointed. He is sold into slavery, thrown into a pit. Can you imagine Joseph saying, please don't sell me. Please don't leave me here. He's a young boy, betrayed. 
thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, tries to make do with his life. God said, that was some of you. You've had been handed some bad things, and you're just trying to make do with what you've been handed, the abuse you've been handed, the lies you were dealt. And Joseph's trying to do that, and he's in Potiphar's house trying to make a living for himself. Betrayed again, lied on by Potiphar's wife. He's tried to sleep with me. He's like, I never, no, I never touched her. Thrown into prison. Thought he was free. Can you imagine how he felt? Forsaken by God. Forsaken by family. Had every reason to be mad at God. Had every reason to blame God. Had every reason to blame the circumstances. They were not fair. They did not match the expectation. He had a dream that he would rule, and now he's in the lowest of the dungeon. But we look at Genesis 50, 22. You know this verse? If you don't, I need you to memorize this. We're going to start at 15 and go to 20. Come on. We find Joseph in this place of disappointment, of hurt, of anguish. It ain't coming up, so I'm going to read it. Do we have it? No? Oh, my God, I didn't send it to you, but that's okay. How many thankful that God got a word, and it's right here in this Bible? Yeah, it's right here, Genesis 50, 22. I had to give it to you. You needed this one. 50, 22, this is what it says. I love this. Joseph's in the prison. He says it like this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. There they go again. They've already disappointed. They were disappointed by their father. And their disappointment led to resentment, blaming Joseph for everything. You see the cycle? That's, that's their, his brothers. They live the cycle. So they're lying again. And this is what Joseph says, and I love this. It says, so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers and the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. When their message came to them, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, what did he say, guys? After all the pain, after all the disappointment, after all the frustration, after not feeling like he was enough, don't be afraid. I am in this place. Am I in the place of God? You notice that? I'm not God. He surrenders control. I'm not God. You intended to harm me. You intended to make me feel like I was nothing. You intended to destroy me. You intended to destroy everything about me. But what God intended is for good to accomplish what is now being done. I'm closing. So Ben, come on up here before I keep going. But in this transition, as they get ready to minister to you in song, I want you to understand something. This verse is not God speaking to Joseph. This verse is not God saying, hey, I made that work for you. 
It's not God saying, hey, this is what I wanted your life to look like. Don't you wish God would do that sometimes? God, why does this happen to me? Why is this going on to me? Why is this going? And God would just say, hey, hey, that's me. Don't worry about it. I know they lied. I know they treated you like that, but that's me. The Bible says, Joseph said to himself. Joseph chose to see what his brothers did. The brokenness in his life. The bitterness that he felt. And he chose to look and see God in it. When the love of God is my lens, I see him in everything. I want to challenge you. This is where the word comes in. What do you see? Are you still seeing how they hurt you? Are you still seeing how they betrayed you? Are you still seeing it? How they let you down? And they did. He didn't deny that. He didn't say, oh, you really didn't mean to. He said, no, what you intended for evil, God meant for my good. I need you to be able to say that today. Not say it because it's real in your heart, but say it in faith. Say, God meant it for my good. Can you say that with me? Say, God meant it for my good. He meant it for my good. It may not have felt good. It may not have looked good. It may not seem good even right now. But you have to say like Joseph said to himself. Nobody coached Joseph. God didn't speak to Joseph, Stephen. He decided. When you decide that nothing can stop the favor of God on your life, nothing will. When you decide. When you decide. Stand to your feet all over the place. Because I believe some of you in this room are making decisions, even as I preach, of what you will do and how you will receive this word. Because Joseph, he confronts the offense. He says, yeah, it happened. But he clearly sees God in it. But this is the next step. He covers their faults. I don't know who's been disappointed in this room. But I want to let you know you serve a God that will never let you down. It may not have gone the way you wanted. But God has a plan. And today, I want to pray for two types of people. The first one, you need to allow God and the Holy Spirit to help you to let that go. Stop holding on. Stop trying to control. Stop trying to force it. You need to release. You need to release. If you be brave in this room, just slip your hand if I'm praying for you because I'm about to pray in a moment. Just slip it up. Thank you. Come on, don't, don't be afraid. I see you. Thank you. I know God sent me here for you. Nothing to be ashamed of. We all have been there or will be there. As a sign of unity, let's all just lift our hands as I pray. Come on, God, right now in the name of Jesus, I declare that this word was sent and the Bible says it healed them. You are the great physician. Now I pray you get into the corners of their heart so they can deal with the disappointment. They can deal with the betrayal. They can deal with the lie. 
They can confront it, look it in the face, and say, you will not have any authority over me. In the name of Jesus, I release the spirit of freedom in this place. And I declare what the enemy meant for evil, God. What the enemy tried to destroy us with. What he assigned to put on our lives. It will not prosper. No weapon. Somebody say no weapon. Formed against me shall prosper. Say it again. Say no weapon. Formed against me shall prosper. Say it one last time and declare at the top of your lungs. Say no weapon. Formed against me shall prosper. If you believe it, put a praise on it right here in this atmosphere. No weapon. Come on, put a praise on it like it's already working, like it's already moving, like it's already doing what God sent it to do. No weapon formed against this church. No weapon formed against your home. No weapon formed against your spirit. It will not prosper. What he intended for evil. Say that to yourself on Monday. This hurts. It's coming back. The memory coming back. What he intended for evil. Frame it. How do you frame it? With fear or faith. You have to choose to see God. And in this place, it may be someone that wants to receive Jesus in your heart. You've never done that yet. I want to let you know that Jesus died so you can live. He gave his life so you could have it. And I would love to lead you in a prayer. This prayer is not magical. It's just a, it's an acknowledgement of what Jesus did and that you believe. And so for the benefit of someone that may be praying this for the first time, every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray it out loud. Say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me and rose again with all power, power over my sin and power over my shame. And now say this boldly, say, and now, come on, yell, yell it out, say, and now I commit my life to you my heart to you and my hands to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those that maybe have given their life to Christ today.